Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, this is David Hepworth. Earlier this week, Mark Allen and myself hosted an evening at the Islington in North London, where our special guest for Word in Your Ear was Danny Baker. Danny regaled a packed house with anecdotes from the second volume of his autobiographical trilogy, this one called Going Off Alarming. I'm afraid rights issues and technical issues prevent us from bringing you the entire thing, but there's just a shade over half an hour here, and if that isn't enough for you, well, you should have been there. You're listening to a podcast of so. the Word. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. No, see, see, somebody, people just turning up, as I said. You know. <laughs> Late come at 7.30. Uh, Lovely to have you all here, and I'm glad everybody got here for the beginning, because, you know, the normal policy on these Word in Your Ear events is we start early and we finish early, purely in order to curry favour with the audiences. And also, there's a football match later on that some people yes, might, there might is. want to watch. Yes, there is. But um, that, you got half an hour for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, he rung up, he said, you're all right for next Tuesday still? I went, oh, Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Tell everybody, Danny, why it's not always easy to coordinate your appearance at these things. Well, uh, you uh, have the two things you don't have. Uh, uh, well, I, I, I mean, the thing is, I, I, do you know what I'm loath to say? Because people think I have an attitude or a philosophy behind it. I don't have a mobile phone. Uh, I've had a go. People have bought them for us, but they, you know, but people always then want to engage you into, aha, why is that? And I haven't got... I, I, I'm either indoors or I'm out, and that's fine. But I've got no... I am. And My when brother-in-law's just bought one, but he calls it a portable. Yeah, yeah, but when, say, portable. I've got, I, but yeah. I, you know, you know I'm all over Twitter and things like that, yeah, yeah. and that's when I'm indoors. And I'm always indoors. And I go out, and when I come home, when it says, oh, so-and-so rang, I said, you ring them back. And, and, and that's how it works. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's so hard for Wendy, because she says... I say, um, oh, he's just gone out. And they go, oh, uh, could I have his number? She goes, oh, he ain't got one. They go, I promise I won't give it to anyone. But no, he really ain't. <laughs> well, um, what's it about? Oh, it's, um, you know, uh, some thing we might want him to write for a newspaper. All right, we'll be back at four. Right, OK, um, is there no way I can get... 
What is so urgent about that? Now, that philosophy I can have, but you come home, and the great thing is, oh, I'm not ringing him back. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I can do that, but I don't have a mobile phone. No, I don't. But I don't what's have a the diary. other thing you don't have? A diary. I don't have a diary, no. You don't have a diary no. or a calendar. Which is why... So if you agree... So that doesn't make things complicated. A month, uh, you know, I go, that you're going to be here on the 18th. I, don't write it down at all. Like a child, I forget it immediately. <laughs> which is why, not very far from here, at the Union Chapel tonight... Glenn Tilbrook and Chris Difford are sitting there going, he said he'd introduce us, I don't know where he is. <laughs> Absolutely true. I didn't know that was tonight either. And, uh, oh, fuck. OK, so the plan is I'm going to leg it from here and just, you know, show my face down there. But no, it's because I don't have a diary. Be there with the encores. Let me just start off by saying, I, the reason I'm dressed like this today is today I went to Liverpool to a funeral of an of a elderly mother of a friend oh, of mine. OK. And so I arrived early in the church. I mean, a... Roman Catholic Church in Liverpool, there's just me and the priest, okay? I'm there an hour early. I'm sitting at the back of the place. I think I've got to amuse myself. I'm not going to read the hymn book. I'm going to read Danny's book. So he's at the front mugging up on the Bible for his his remarks over the coffin. And I'm at the back thinking, this is really shameful. (laughs) But but a thought went through my head when I was reading this in the back of a, a church while waiting for a funeral to begin that if ever there is a book full of reminders why it's good to be alive... Oh, thank you. That was the entire... Thank you. And without being, you know, uh, uh, painting on a bigger canvas than the book deserves, that was entirely the intention. Uh, uh, I think I might have said before, uh, I I don't see any other duty I've got. I'm completely shallow, and that's absolutely, you know, that's fine. I've no... I'm not introspective. And all I wanted to do was just go, well, this happened, this happened, and, and, and it's terrible because it makes it sounds token, but cheer people up. My wife was the person who, well, I've always been like that anyway, uh, annoyingly ebullient. But uh, she, uh, she was uh, trying to buy a, a book at the airport once uh, about six, seven years ago, and she kept picking up, you know, uh, Sarah and Mike seemed to have it all, but in their background was a tragic secret. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Dave, uh, Belinda, but fame, fortune, but there was a, a tragic secret. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. The darkness behind the success of it. She went, do you know what? She said to me, she went, do you know what? If there was a book here called A Lovely Story About Nice People, I'd buy it. <laughs> and I, just, I said, absolutely. This, this, uh, and and uh, that's coming back to G.K. Chesterton, who said, frivolous is hard, sombre is easy. Yes. Now, that may or may not be true, but... In it, music, that applies. It, that's certainly. completely true in music. It, 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 Write it, a sad song, no Absolutely. And you How write... many happy songs are there? Very few. Well, see, the triple about the next book, which uh, I've just started, uh, uh, is, you know, I'll get, I get uh, cancer in that one. And, uh, and, and I've got no insights at all about it. It, <laughs> yeah. don't, it don't interest me, that sort of thing. But a story about, like, David a dwarf who walks around on stilts, I've known all my life, these are good stories. And when I read a, you know, and I read a lot of showbiz autobiographies, again, without overreaching, the, when I sat down and I always knew I was going to do, there's only going to be one book, but rather like talking, I go, oh, that reminds me, and that reminds me. I wanted to do a sort of punk rock version of David Niven's Moon's a Balloon. Yeah. Uh, if you know what I mean. I just, could you read that? That's a great story. Yeah. Wow, that's a good story. Uh, and they're, they're, they're absolutely 100% true, and I can write, and that was all I wanted to do, just to make people feel better. Uh, uh, which sounds like a, say, a pretty soupy thing to say. And I love the way you get all that mileage out of just things that it seems so uh, unpromising, you know, just, just how bad I am at DIY or the pet Well, torture. you see, the thing but is, you can say hilarious. that, you know, and it sounds like a, a staple of any stand-up, oh, I'm lousy at DIY, but in passing, I want to say, because my old man, who was, as, as you know, is the engine in, in both books, 
He was lousy at that and had no patience with him. Now, I'm lousy at that, but I no patience, but I've got a few quid, so I'll bring a bloke in to do it, you know. And all my wife's family are really handy. She's one of ten kids, and all her brothers and all my brother-in-laws, and there's loads of them, they're really good. They're carpenters, they're electricians, they do all that stuff. Uh, but I don't ever feel the old masculinity threatened or any of that, because I always say, you know, yeah, you wait till they want a short story. Who are they going to come running? <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> Keep your black and decker work, man. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but, so I, I wanted to say that, and, yeah, you can say that. I'm no good at that. But uh, equally, because uh, uh, I know when we've sat them, we go, oh, tell them about, you know, when you try to paint the ceiling. And I only did it in the first year of our relationship, because I thought, I'll have a go. It's about time I tried to do this stuff. But I did try and do it by jumping up and down on the bed and swiping at the ceiling. (laughs) And, of course, after I got a a portion of it done, I thought, well, that's that. I'll go upstairs now and, uh, you know, watch the results come in. And she found me a kip on the settee and that. And the only time uh, it when I did have a go uh, uh, of doing any kind of flat pack stuff, because she'd say, why don't you wait till Bill O'Brien can come round? When? Please, this is getting awful now. I'm not an imbecile. Well, don't. Yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> Believe they're coming round Sunday. Now I can do. Look, I said there's six pieces. Even I can do that. <laughs> and I sat there and I did it and I finished it. And I was like this. I'm, I'm sitting on the floor. So I was doing it like this. And I thought, okay, actually, not bad. <laughs> not bad. That ain't bad. When? Come down here. This is a reckoning. This is the sort of thing, you know, Beautiful hus- hus- husbands oh, yeah. live for. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> Look, when? Happens so rarely. Come down here. What? She went, I said, here. Yeah. She went, do you do that? I said, yeah, I did. I did that. And I stood up and I'd screwed my sock to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and she went, I don't know how I'd done it. And I blame the manufacturers because the screw yeah. shouldn't be that long. No, I might have gone through a gas main and blown us all up. <laughs> And I had had to to unscrew it again. Of course, when I put it back together again, it was like this. I screwed my sock to the floorboard. (laughs) Now, that to me is more interesting and pertinent in an autobiography than And Then I Met. It's a universal moment, isn't it? I think so. I hope so. I mean, just, you know. You must need enormous energy to write these things, though, because you're writing very long bits about... Quite slight things. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's... that's, that's I mean, how good. do you attack them? You do them in a day kind of thing? Do you oh, set I, aside I, a load of again, time? Again, I say this and it sounds like showboating, uh, which it is. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm... Uh, in the same as when I was writing for the NME or, or wherever I was writing for, the same as I was writing for any comedian doing their scripts, I can only do it when it needs to be done. So I didn't start writing this. It was... The, the deadline was mid-June. I started in March. And I just write and write and write, and I'll sit there and I'll get up and walk around in an orgy of self-congratulation after a couple of good sentences. <laughs> but I knew it had to be done, and and it finished. I finished it with a. We were going off to Florida, and I finished with a cab outside, and I and I, and I was still putting captions on the photos, and the rest I said I'll do when I'm out there. And I really resented being out on a holiday and having to do another half a dozen captions for the photos. But that I don't think hurts the work because. I, uh, that's the way I do work, and I do believe, again, it's a, maybe it's a male thing, but if Wendy ever said to me, take the bins out, and I said, when? And she said, any time in the next six weeks, when would I do it? I'll do it, <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it now. And that's the only way I can... Yes, it does take a lot of energy, but uh, 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 the raw material was just, you know, it's, it's as it should be for an autobiography. Over the last 50-odd years, I thought, oh, man, there's that, there's that. And sometimes you think, that's a belter. Now, how does that fit into any kind of narrative arc? So, fortunately, I freed myself for that. And the first one by saying, this is going to go backwards and forwards. And as you know, this one begins further back than the last one ended. Begins with things that you've missed out. And things you've just forgotten. Sure. Everyone told me. Everyone said, everyone said, uh, uh, forgive me, uh, on, uh, I've told this story on a one shot, I think it was. Uh, 
this one began because the one story all my mates said, you know, yeah, I read it, it's good. How come you didn't put in when you got shot? <laughs> Oh, no. So you must have just thought, I didn't, I didn't put in when I got shot. How can you shot. forget that? I did, I forgot when I got, got shot. Twice, twice indeed. Yeah, yeah. I know, twice in the same <laughs> night. Once would be here, I understand. Twice in that. the same night, so it begins by the, giving that story and saying, well, if I forgot that, forgive me if it goes backwards uh, in Ramsgate Funfair, uh, wearing a Mr. Brown... Uh, one of the few times I've had any good clothes, a brown satin shirt with a white pinstripe from Mr. Freedom in the King's Road. Mr. Freedom. Uh, Mr. Freedom. It was a brilliant shirt. Uh, when I say stabbed, it's technically true. Uh, not like shot when I was shot. I was in the Dodgems, going round at the Dodgems on a Beano. I was about 16. And I remember going round and having a great time. It's a lovely shirt. And, uh, and somebody hit us up the arse, as I believe the aim of the Dodgers yeah, is. That's the point, and yeah. from the back of the seat, some metal came through and boom, and impaled us on the back of it. And I oh, 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 and I took my foot off the accelerator, bang, somebody hit us there. I'm having to go, no, no, yeah, bang, bang. And, <laughs> yeah. and I brought myself off of this thing, and of course the blood was cascading. And I've gone over to the, to the fella in charge. I said, mate, one of your cars is just stabbed. Look at me back. He's gone, oh, all right. I said, uh, well, what, what do you want to do? I said, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to go to hospital. So we're going to have, have a couple of more rides. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We took it. And my mate said, <laughs> said, we're all with him. He went, all right, away you go again. And I was there <laughs> going, and I went round again. <laughs> and I, I, honestly, I could take this off and I'll show you. There's a line across my back. So equally, that's got to be in the next one. Right. Uh, so, yes. You're going to have to keep on writing them, Danny. Well, you? hopefully, yeah. Because fortunately, so, they, they want me to do you, it. You pointed out to me that this, this picture, which I hooked off the internet... Is yeah. It is not obviously the finished cover. That's the cover, uh, but they add, uh, when they first send round, this is what we're thinking of, they put this, because again, it's, it, publishers are quite entitled to think chronologically. They thought, you know, it will go into the 80s and right. 90s uh, when I was doing Selling the Soap Powder, which is in that, but it's, again, it, it, everything's given its own weight as a story as how much it deserves. So that, there's, there's quite a good story about that, how I met Bob Dylan through Daz. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Uh, Has anybody read But when they first said, I said, you don't need that on the cover because it'll just seem like, you know, the confessions. Right, and right, it's, right. it's such a small part of it. So I hadn't seen that and I had no idea that I even made it on the internet. But it's Correct actually not got that at all. It's Everything a, ends up on the internet. Well, yes, look, it does. We picked a bunch of uh, pictures, some from the book. Uh, and some mm. not... It's I a just, great picture. Enemy. Enemy. <laughs> I, I was still on a reception there. There's the Christmas decorations. Uh, above yeah. the copy of Vibes. Yeah, I know. Amazing, but, but like a, be March, not like any be. pub in a rough area yeah. of London, the Christmas decorations stay up. They, they don't, they don't be, take yeah, them yeah. down. Do summer, actually. I yeah. wanted to show this picture just to, to point out to the audience. When I first met Danny, he was working in One Stop Records around the corner from where I worked in Knoxville Street, and he used to tell people he was David Essex's brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And they believed And it. people believed it. Yeah. Well, it, it was... Girls it was, did. It was first suggested, of course, by the, and the amount of... Well, no, actually it wasn't... It was suggested by me. Uh, <laughs> but it took hold. And in 74... This is 78, that is. Yeah. But in 74, and it was a good-looking young thing, and uh, enough people said it that I just started saying it. I said it all the time. I said, you know... And the thing was, it'd go around the Bermondsey pubs and, and even in the record shop when some girls come in because David Essex's brother was working there. And they used to come in and say, excuse me. I'd go, yeah, 
like, I can't do it. I mean, I look nothing. I look like Bernard Manning's brother now. But I, uh, <laughs> no. I, uh, and I, I do it like David. I go, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he did this thing where he chewed his top lip. <laughs> so I turn and I go, yes. Yeah. And they go, are you David Essie's brother? I go, no. And they go, you are! Yeah. If you'd have said, yeah, I wouldn't have believed it. But he said, no, and go figure that logic. So I had a couple of good years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple yeah. of good years. Yeah. Oh, I had a couple oh. of good years. Um, um, and, and in fact, when I wrote it in the first book about You had to wear a white suit, though. I, I, I had yeah. a white suit. I had the thing around the neck. And the thing is, David Essie's real name is David Cook. And my name's Danny Baker. And so they say, how comes he's called Cook while you're called Baker, then? And I say, well... He don't want the family bothered, does he? So Baker, Cook, get it? And they go, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I swear this all worked. Yeah. Including, Come back to me. Including, yeah, yeah. including the um, uh, most sensate, the, the apogee, if you will, of my time as David Essex's brother. Uh, when I was going out with a girl called Lorraine from... Um, stop there in case you... you know. Anyway, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Lorraine, who lived over in Edgware. Edgware, I live in South London. She's right in Edgware. But she, she was gorgeous. She looked like Bowie... Uh, she looked like Bobby. She had white hair and she shaved her eyebrows up. And she <laughs> was like, no, yeah, no, no, she, no, she yeah. was terrific. Uh, and, uh, but she was 100% hook, line, and sinker with David Essie, your brother. But she always wanted to meet him. And she said, What's the big shit? Because the thing is, once you're going out with David Essie's brother, the only thing we know about that is never mention David Essex. That's what you do. You call. You're not going to say that. Yeah. Oh, are you? I'm not bothered telling all her mates all the time. And anyway, it went on for a bit. And then she said, um, Oh, that, that was what was, uh, uh, she said. Well, she came right out of it. She said, uh, I'd like to meet your brother. And I had two options then. It's like, he's in Tierra del Fuego rehearsing. I'd love it. It's never going to happen. And so, but carried away with this. I said, all right, OK, I'll set that up, right? And she went, oh, blimey, when? So I said, I don't know. And on the tube, I'll never forget, at Tottenham Court Road, I saw a poster. Uh, uh, oh, no, my sister worked at Granada. That was the first thing in it. My sister worked at Granada. She was a typist at Granada. We used to be down Golden Square. Golden Square, yeah. Actually, in Golden Square, Granada. And she came home and said, do you know David S. is making a film? So I said, is he? And it was, that will be the day. She went, yeah, they're, they're doing the things up there now for it. Now, in them days, obviously, pre-internet and all of that, to be just a heartbeat ahead of... Yeah, and there was yeah. no great rush in any papers anyway to publicise this stuff when films came out. But then there was no... So I had this nugget... So when she said, I want to meet your brother, I said, he's making a film at a minute, you know, figuring when it comes out. She said, how do you know that? That was my sister who told me that. And then about a week, two weeks later, I saw the posters for That Will Be The Day opening, you know, June the 18th. Now, so I thought, okay, okay. So I said, uh, I, I saw her and I said, let's, we'll go to the premiere. He's got a film coming oh, out. We'll go to the this premiere. This is the first book, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. We'll go to the premiere. <laughs> I, I had no idea what I was going to do. What was I going to do? I just, I'll tell you what I thought I was going to do. I thought I'd pack her up before it came. I know, it's, it's really rotten. I thought, well, I'll just pack you up and that'd be the easiest thing to do. Dobbs <laughs> was like 17. Anyway, she was great and we were going out and the film was coming out, but none of us knew what a premiere was. I thought a premiere was uh, uh, the first night of it, first day of it. So it was in Shaftesbury Avenue. I went down to Shaftesbury Avenue and I asked for tickets for the very first showing of it, which was at a four o'clock on, I think, a Thursday afternoon, the opening <laughs> showing of it. So I went and bought these oh, tickets. Hey. I bought two tickets. I went to a post office. I bought a John Ball printing set. I used to get the little letters and put them in a block of wood, put them in a thing and stamp it on the back. And I stamped on the back of these tickets, uh, 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 complimentary brackets family. Oh. Oh. I saw Lorraine, I said, I've got the tickets, I've got the tickets uh, for the thing, and she just went, oh, blimey, look at that. Oh, look at the back of them. I went, 
Oh, I never saw that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we went, we went that afternoon. I made sure we went in when the lights were down. I was late. Four o'clock in the afternoon. Started. Four o'clock in the afternoon. I walked in with the white suit on, the thing around my neck. Yeah. And as we went up the aisle, I swear people were going... <laughs> and I sat and she, I said, I, I had said, I said, don't be getting come. So you ain't going to come to it. And she was, you know, she wasn't the most gullible girl in the world. Sounds like, but she went, she went, oh, I told her today, but I said, he can't make it now. Uh, but we will see him. I think there's a party on the night. That all got explained. But as we sat there during it, I started to laugh in appropriate places as if only I would get that. <laughs> <laughs> he, was said, he said things in it. Don't want a pup. I said, let's do it. Give him the line. He said, oh, it's great. Buying a puppy, having it piss everywhere. That was the line. And I went, <laughs> oh, what's the matter? Oh, that's all right. <laughs> Isn't that reprehensible? But it's absolutely true. Yes, I was, David. And that, that, that was just shortly that's before brilliant. that. <laughs> I ran into her. She, she stopped me in Marlebone Ice Street about five years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. She, she was driving you. a Mercedes. Has she forgiven you? She was driving a Mercedes. Oh, oh, she was she, she just said, and she thought it was funny, actually. She, said, she remembered that. She went, oh, my mates. She went, all my mates were jealous and all that. And it was years later she found out it was hooey, applesauce. Never found out about it. And she just thought by then, uh, she went, I told my mates it weren't. She actually thought it was quite funny. She, I mean, she realised it was nonsense. And it was great of her. Uh, uh, but, in fact, when quite she... Quite a lucky escape, the, I would say. If, <laughs> no, yeah, it was. But uh, she wasn't... Loads of girls thought it was David Essex. I've met David Essex loads of times since. And he thought it was terrific. Very, very funny. <laughs> very funny. And every time we meet up, we're kind of brothers. But, yeah, absolutely true. I've, and so that kind of story, and that's where we were living. Uh, that's where I... Was, so uh, where is this? Debnell's Road. That is a... Uh, Gone now. Only recently, that was a couple of years ago. That was uh, the most southern edge of the Silwood Estate in Bermondsey, SE16. And it was a cul-de-sac. Here was a, a, a council yard, and here would have been the railway. Uh, and uh, that's my mum and dad's bedroom. That's the bathroom. And when we... These cobblestones here, there was a metal uh, kind of fence. And kids used to play tennis over those cobblestones. Uh, uh, now, playing tennis on cobblestones, you wonder why we've never produced a working-class <laughs> tennis champion. Why would you bounce off of that? But anyway, it was there. And then it was a concrete boat, and that was the square area. And when we played football in the square, all these people and all these people used to turn on their upstairs lights, so it would be floodlight for us. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, isn't that lovely? Yeah, they did. So it was oh, only a little square area, but that's where I lived the first 20 years of my life there. 20 years of so, my life there, yeah. So were you still living here when you started doing... Because a lot of this book is about when you started getting involved in doing telly. Yeah, but the first telly I did, 20 Century Box was the show I was living there, yeah. So you were... Right. And you, that, that room here, if you read the book, that's the room that caught fire eventually, because the old man... Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it blew up. Uh, working life from the age of 14 when I left school until I went into television. Television was mundane. I knew what to do. I hadn't lasted it. I'd fallen into it by sheer dint of personality. Yeah, you describe yourself as sleepwalking. It really it's is. A I mean, word. You know, that yeah. But if, had I had my CV in there, had I lasted it, it, but it became because I was interviewed and they thought, oh, he's good. And it's continued now these last 36 years. People just saying, come and do this, come and do this. But the reason that really attracted, I thought, where is it? Had it been the BBC over in Shepherd's Bush, I would have had no Too idea. Far away. I, mean, yeah. no, <laughs> I mean that because there was, the South London was ill served by the railway. Uh, it had been a load of buses. None of them in my family drove. And so, because it was at Waterloo, I thought the number one goes to Waterloo. Yeah. I'll, 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 I know. I'll have, it was the same bus that I could get off, do a voiceover, get back on, and go to the NME. And the enemy just thought it was hilarious. I was doing telly, uh, and it was Janice Reporter. Until they found out how much you're getting paid. But, oh, I know. I, I love know. the way you always say how much you get paid. I, t- I, I tell everyone in the book, book how much you get paid. Because what, what, what's the big secret? Yeah. I said, well, they pay you in telly, and I'm as astounded as everyone. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, and I'd loved, I loved walking around amongst my mates saying, uh, you know, uh, like 20th Century Box actually wasn't 
it was fair whack. It was about £100, you know, on top of the NME money. That was great. But when it actually got the six o'clock show and it was 1200 pounds yeah. £2,000, I love walking around amongst my mates saying, tough luck, suckers, better luck next time. Yeah. <laughs> I love, because that's how we all are. I mean, you know, I was never, and I've, I've never oh. been abashed about that. I've spent that's every brilliant. tenner of it. And people actually say, much you say, I'll tell you how much you earn. How about that? Ha! How about that? Not because... I mean, it's, it's say, it, it, uh, perhaps middle-class people shrink from it, but it's always been... Oh, man, we had a good week in the dock. Bet, we're going away. Get the kids, we're going to go knock it out. We're going to... And it's just that idea of the, uh, the liberty of it. Spend it on everyone you know, get rid of it, and it's still exactly the same thing. And don't worry when it's not there. No, no. I used to live yeah. high on the hog when I had... Uh, it don't matter about the size of the budget, I, will, I can knock it out. And people say, oh, your wife must be different. She'll, no, she's exactly the same. Exactly. Oh, there was a lovely bit where you said something like, uh, something like uh, when can burn her way through a pound note? When can burn her way through a pound note? At a rate to the match of mine or I, something. I, I, don't, she, she, she can't, and we all... And we, uh, the, yeah, it's I love a, the way you say a pound note. It, it's a <laughs> tremendous <laughs> slice of goose that's fallen into my lap these last 40-odd <laughs> years. And I've got... And I, you know, be, be happy for me. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's... Well, yeah, it's full of hair-raising yeah. stuff about your your um, your lack of acquaintance with financial markets. Oh, God, yeah. I've only been skimped once. I've <laughs> only been skimped once. Uh, and, but that's all right, as I say. If people, people like to think there's a reckoning. Oh, well, you live like that. And, you know, I say I'm 60 in two years. It's going all right. Uh, <laughs> but people actually love... And it's, in 1988, yeah, when the six yeah. o'clock show ended... Uh, and I never had agent. I've never, I never had any of that. I just used to turn up there, bring my wheelbarrow in, they'd fill it full of pound notes, and I'd go home again. <laughs> <laughs> I was working two, uh, 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 back-breaking three-day week. And uh, so, uh, anyway, so uh, but that ended. The six o'clock show ended because I made no provision. Yeah, I had no, uh, uh, no plan. Nothing. I was like, okay, now, now what? Because it had gone pretty well since I left school. Went to the record shop with all the stars, Mark Boland, Elton John, all that, I'm in there, mate, now. Then punk rock comes along and that all works out. And then I'm picked up to go on television. Oh, no, the enemy. And then the enemy, and then television. I used to think, OK, now, this, is, this, this is... Why this, should it this end? Why should it ever end? Exactly. And, uh, and, and it hasn't. It hasn't. Anyway, <laughs> but, uh, so in 1988, when I was doing nothing, uh, uh, been, been let go by the telly, you know, uh, the one thing that came along, again, there's a tremendous fate relay all the way through it. That one job ends and another one starts. But the time it kind of dropped off, uh, after that, I'd just done a thing on Emma Freud's show, because Emma I knew uh, uh, through the six o'clock show. And I went in to see her, because we was going out. And she said, come on the microphone, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and the first time I was ever on the radio, it was nine years after I'd been doing telly. So I did that. And she went, you should be on the radio, she said to me. She had a word with Matthew Bannister. So GLR... Having been earning two grand a week with television, uh, GLR, dear old GLR, offered me uh, forty pounds yeah. uh, to. Uh, okay, so we'll do that. Got home, said, "When I'm back in the media business, <laughs> we're going out to." Didn't tell her how much I was earning. Anyway, yeah, but yeah. I hadn't paid a bit of VAT from nineteen. Because they turned up on your nineteen eighty-two. They, they actually turned up. In they person. turned up on the door. Nineteen eighty-two to nineteen eighty-eight. You know, not, I wasn't a plan. Just I gave us money. I knocked it out, and I had no. We had an A bank account, but that's it, and it all gone. There was a knock in 1988. Was it 15,000? Was it 15,000 or something? 15,000 pounds. 15,000 yes, pounds. 15,000 pounds. They, they figured I owed them. And I had not a pot. So I'm sitting in the front room, because we were sitting with Bonnie, my youngest, three at the time, and we were watching um, All Sorts, the show All Sorts, which very few people remember, unless you had kids at that time. It was about a, a talking dog that uh, only we could hear talk. Anyway, it's very good. Uh, as we, we were sitting there, this episode about... Um, uh, anyway, I can remember the episode. It was about how uh, 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 
Jiffy, the talking dog, really played by people in dog suits in that, uh, he was um, stealing uh, his owner's... As his owner was trying to pack for the seaside, Jiffy kept taking it, and he kept coming back going, I'm sure I put that bucket of spade in there. And Jiffy would look around and go... The VAT people knocked at the door while I'm enjoying this. I'm trying to watch Jiffy. What the hell is that? And I went to the... There were two of them. There were two of them, and they said... Whatever, I said, I outlined it. They said, uh, uh, well, you, you, they're really apologetic because they kind of knew us from the telly, I suppose. They said, Danny, uh, we have sent you letters. And I did used to get letters all the time. Letters from my bank manager, who Which I was reunited with. Saint. I was reunited with him, you know, at the one show. He's a major character, isn't he? Uh, yeah. Uh, and again, oh, people really? think these stories are just, you know, pulled out of the air. But it, 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 they found him. And he said, yeah, I did. I used to send him. He was the kind of person before banking became toxic. You would never get these days. Because he, he wrote to, to end assuming that you were dead. Yes, he wrote, he wrote a letter to Wendy saying... Because I hadn't got back to him. Yeah. Very funny letters he used to write saying, Dear Wendy, uh, I hope you don't mind at this difficult time if I get in touch and say how sorry I am that he <laughs> has passed away. I, I, I assume this to be so because every other way to get in touch with him, I wish I'd been invited along to South. It's very, very funny. <laughs> you and kept them. That's well, how I survived during that time. And just before we move on, how about a bit when I was in Norfolk uh, at this period, but I won't earn any, yeah, any money at all. With so we were yeah, so oh. I'm in Norfolk, and we're walking around Norfolk because nothing, you know, a trifling matter like having no income never stopped us going on holiday. So we together. <laughs> we're on holiday, and we was in South Walsham, and when saw some, you know, in, in them days it was still a novelty, like a, a, a wash basin and a jug, and all. Oh, I like that. That lovely. And I said, "We'll get it." She said, oh, God, look at this. It was sixty quid or something. I said, "We'll get it." And I had no cash, and, uh, and if I'd have put the card in, it would have said, well, it, 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 it didn't explode, <laughs> there you are. it would have blown up. And so I said, go on, I said, I'll tell you what, said, oh, no, we'll have that, all right. So I went and found a phone box, and I rung up, uh, uh, he was at um, uh, uh, Holborn Branch, they were, right at the bottom of Grayson Road. And I rung him up and got straight route to Mervyn, I can imagine it, so I said, Mervyn, what? <laughs> so I said, Mervyn. Listen, old fruit, I've just... I'm, here I am in Norfolk, but I've seen something... Still, listen, if, 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 if it's £60, it's worth 1000 I'll cut you in on this. All you've got to... He said... <laughs> so Mervyn went, well, what do you want... Now, look, look, uh, let's talk about this when you come home. I said, Mervyn, don't... Like, Mervyn, don't make me look a fool in front of half of Norfolk. It's, oh, God, man, you know, and you've seen those scripts I'm talking about selling. One day we'll all be in the gravy. So, anyway... <laughs> It's exactly how we used to talk to each other. And he said, right, is there a Barclays? I said, yeah, of course there's a Barclays. South Walsham is probably the, the, the hub of your entire industry. <laughs> so he said, he said, all right, um, have you got anything in there uh, identified? I said, no, I didn't have a check. didn't have anything with me. I said, nothing, no. Right, um, well, they won't let you have it unless you can... I said, well, uh, he said, have you got anything on you? And, so, and I, incredibly, I was wearing leopard skin shoes. I said, I'm wearing leopard skin shoes. And he went... All right, I'll ring them and tell them you're coming. Yeah. <laughs> I, went in the, I, went, I went into the bank. Absolutely I'm queuing brilliant. up behind a load of old deers. When anything else you see, just buy. Um, and I got to a window and I said, I, I think you're expecting me. <laughs> When, I'm sorry, I said, I think you're expecting me. And I said, your manager... And she went away and she came and went, is it under pounds? <laughs> and I, said, I said, yeah. And, 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 and they got, but I always thought, and this is one of the few yeah, embellishments, that the person behind me would go, can I have 200? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's absolutely true. Yeah. Anyway, so... 
So the VAT people knocked on the door and said, we're so sorry, you've never paid any VAT, and you owe us, you owe us £15,000. Now, I knew I couldn't ring up, no matter how many shoes I had, I couldn't... I could not ring up Mervyn and say... I said, so what happens now? And they went, well, I'm sorry to say, we've come to take... We, we, we'd like to take this, the bailiffs, basically, take right. stuff away. Yeah. So I closed the door, and I, oh, I said, well, is there any option? I mean, if I close the plate today, you can let us have 15 grand. Uh, we're all square. So I said, OK. So I closed the door, and I went out to kit, Wendy in the kitchen. And I said, when? It's the VAT people. She went, what? What day you want? I said, apparently I've never paid any. She went, well. And I said, well, they want 15 grand. She went, oh, the bastards. <laughs> <laughs> It's his trick. Yeah, sure. Oh. Well, you're going to... So her brother, Rod, uh, 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 makes mannequins and things. And he's, he's got a legitimate business in a railway arch, but he does it. He did the London Dungeons, oh, yeah, which is yeah. why all We're our family were in there. We're all in the London Dungeons. Uh, uh, you'll have to read the book to find out how that makes sense. But we're all in the London Dungeons. And he's the only one with any kind of flow. So I rung him up. Rod. Flow. What? He said, I said, I need 15 grand. <laughs> Fucking hell. I said... <laughs> Have you got it? Well, he does Faulkner and Mason's windows. It's just a railway arch with five or six of them working in it. So he said, yeah. He said, go on then. So I got a cab over to him. He wrote out a cheque for 15 grand. Five o'clock, I'm sitting there again now, by now watching, you know, Button Moon and things. <laughs> <laughs> knock, knock, knock. I'll get that. <laughs> Open up. Hello, I said, there you are. Badoom. And shut the door. <laughs> so I thought I'd better get... That's when I thought, well, I'd better get... Uh, you know, I can't just wait for fate to do it here. I've got this job with Emma. Rung Emma up and I said, uh, I'm going to have to get an agent or stuff. Yeah. And she put me in touch with Noel Gale, who's still my agents. I rang them up on the echoes of what I've been doing recently. They said, yeah, come in. And for those following years, rather like Vivian Lee saying, I'll never be poor again. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why four years later you found me doing Daz adverts, Mars adverts, uh, win, lose or draw. You saw me making videos because I thought, you know what? You, 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 should, you should actually take a kick up the arse and do all of that. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.